Well, good morning. Uh, glad to be with all of you uh, this morning. I uh, always get a little nostalgic when I hear that's one of my favorite hymns. Um, and my buddy Lance sang that a cappella uh, right before Lou walked down the aisle the, the day I was married. And uh, so it just reminds me that uh, even, you know, uh, if death due is, uh, death's due is on, is on our doorstep, um, here's what we have. We have our hope in Jesus. And so we've traveled a long way in the book of Hebrews, right? We've actually been on this journey for a while now. And we, we uh, are arriving this morning at, at the Hall of Fame, right? The Christianity Hall of Fame. And, uh, you know, it's, it's this Hall of Faith as we know it. And what the writer of Hebrews does at the very beginning of this chapter is this. Look, let's just define our terms, right? If we're going to talk about faith, before I give you a list of all the men and women that made the hall of faith, let me do this. Let me just define what faith is, okay? Let me, let, let, let's start with what was the, um, the standard, if you will, for entering the hall of fame, the Christianity hall of fame. So here it is. This is, this is, verse, uh, this is Hebrews 11, uh, verse 1. Uh, we're just going to look at verse 1 initially. Now, faith is this, is confidence in what we have hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now, here's what I do know. No one had confidence or assurance in the bottom of the ninth inning last night. We didn't. Don't tell me you did, because I didn't. All right? We did not have assurance, and we did not have a whole lot of confidence, but God works in mysterious ways, and he does miracles, and that has nothing to do with this, but I just thought I'd start out with that. But faith is confidence in what we hope for, right? It's this, it's this combination of what? Of conviction. Let's go ahead and show that the, the, the next slide. It's, it's this combination of conviction and assurance. When it comes to Jesus, I just want to ask you, do you have that? Straight up. Do you have this combination of conviction, a confidence, right, in what you believe is coming and an assurance of what? About what you do not see, but what is happening right now. And how does this uh, potentially uh, change your life? So let's go back one slide. Let's go back to the first slide. This is what the ancients were commended for. So the, the, the timeless patriarchs, the, 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 the fathers, right? The fathers of the scripture. This is what they were what? They were commended. What does that word in the Greek mean? It means that you were given an, an authoritative witness, came to your trial and said, you know what? I am the doctor, right? I am the, I am the forensic pathologist. And I know, I am the expert. And you know what? They, right? They did not do it. They, uh, they are innocent. This is what the ancients were commended for. In other words, here's, here's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. That these men and women were commended by God. God is the witness. And here's what God is saying. Nope, they were men and women of faith. If we kind of derive, we kind of derive the word martyr from it, Right? And martyr is someone who's willing to die for their faith. Someone who's willing to take a bullet 
right? It's, it's why during Columbine in, in April of 19, I think it was 1999, when Cassie said, hey, you know what, I'll take a bullet for Jesus, and she stood up. That's why it was so amazing. We had a modern-day martyr. Would, you, know, you think to yourself, would I do that? What does faith mean to me? God is saying to you and to me that the ancients, right, they had faith. Now, here's what we know about every one of the ancients. They were sinners. They were not perfect. They were not perfect at all, but they had confidence in what they hoped for, and they had assurance about what they did not see. Is that you? I just want to ask you. Please make this personal. Please don't make this a, another Bible lecture. Please make this think about your own life. Because if you want to set kind of a foundation by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. In other words, out of nothing that God spoke and it was. You, you do not have logic for that. You do not have science for that. You have what? Faith. That doesn't mean that you throw out your brain with Christianity, but it does mean that, hey, you have to develop this faith muscle so that what is seen was not made out of what was, was visible. And then... Uh, the writer begins to talk about the first uh, example, and this is, what I, this is where we're going to head this morning. Uh, we're going to look at the story of, uh, let's, let's go to uh, verse 4. We're going to skip one, uh, yeah, by faith. Here we go. This is the first reference to a person. By faith, Abel, right? Cain and Abel, the famous story. We're going to look at this this morning. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. And let's just read the story. This is straight Genesis 4, right? This is right after the serpent uh, deceived Adam and Eve, and then we know Adam and Eve procreated. And it, and it comes into this terrible story of... Um, you know, Cain, these two brothers that, that we know were, were at odds with one another. But the question is, is why in the world is this guy, because this is the only time he's really referenced, is Abel. Why in the world is he in the hall of faith? I mean, this seems a little obscure. Why in the world would Abel be referenced in um, uh, Hebrews chapter 11? So this is actually Genesis chapter 4. Adam made love to his wife Eve. And she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks, right? Abel is a shepherd. And Cain worked the soil. So he's a farmer. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very, let's go back one more. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? 
But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother, Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? Now the Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. What is the difference between Cain and Abel? And let me ask you this, which one are you? Do you resonate more with the response of Cain when you really look at this passage, or is it more uh, with Abel? Because when you look at this, we have to first ask ourselves the question, not the difference at first, but how are they alike? How are Cain and Abel alike? Because you have Cain and Abel with the same family, with the same parents, right? The same teaching, and they're going to worship God, but they're totally different. You have Isaac and you have Ishmael. Same father, totally different. You have Jacob and you have Esau, twins. Same father, but what? But totally different. The Bible wants us to see that the foundational difference between people is not a racial one. It is not an economic difference, right? It is not um, right down the middle of... um, you know, it's not a political one. Because here's what we know about the difference between people. It goes right down the middle of churches. It goes right down the middle of families. It goes right down the middle of wombs, as we've just heard here. So we have two what? We have two kinds of people that have the same father. And they both know intuitively what? That you cannot come to God without an offering. You can't. Here's what we all know in this room. You cannot go to God in and of yourself. You are not good enough. You cannot go to God without what? Without an offering. That's how Cain and Abel were alike. They both had to do what? They both had to bring offerings. The point of an offering is to say this. Accept me because of this. Do you believe that about yourself? Do you believe that about all humanity? In order to come to God, you have to bring an offering. You, have, you cannot bring yourself. Because what do we know about ourselves? That we are sinful, right? That, that we are sinful, uh, sinful above all things. If you, want, what? if you want to be approved, you have to what? You have to bring an offering. You have to what? You have to bring something that changes the way that you are seen. If you want to be approved, think about how this applies in your own life. That you want to control what people see in you. What if you went and just had, what, people see the real you? Offerings did what? They generally brought an image of strength and they hid flaws. If you brought an offering, it would emphasize your strengths and it would hide your flaws. So what are your strengths? When you go and talk to people, when you form relationships, what do you bring people? Are you the nice one? Are you the talented one? Are you the fun one? 
Are you the social one? Are you, you bring your strengths, and what? You know, you bring distinct weaknesses. I mean, think about all these election commercials, right, that we are looking at right now. Don't you love these? Don't you just love all these commercials that we're seeing? But what do, what do candidates know? Candidates know that you're not going to accept them if they what? Donald Trump and Joe Biden know that you won't accept them if they would, if they show you everything about their life. So, they don't want to show you, quote, what they are really like, right? If you knew how they really talked, or if you knew how they really treated their kids, or if you knew what? Their entire voting record. If you knew everything, so what, do, what does a good commercial do? It controls what we see. That's what an offering does. And we bring offerings all the time, and we say, approve me because of this. You ever get ready to go out on a date? What are you trying to do? Emphasize your strengths, right? Minimize your weaknesses. This shirt makes me look really, really heavy. This shirt makes me look too skinny. This, this, uh, this color does this. This color does that. I want to what? I want to control people's understanding of me but ultimately, here's what we do if we do that completely. If we live our lives, it, what? it will do what? It will utterly destroy us. Because fundamentally, all of us know that we aren't acceptable. That's why we want to control things so bad. Right? And so the Bible gives us this profound answer here. Right? Some people say, well, you know, it's not really me. It's, it's not really my, my bad traits. It's bad parenting. I had bad parents, right? <laughs> it's all them. They, they, they caused this, and there's no doubt. Bad parenting or a tough family will aggravate what? The condition that we all have, your sin condition. Bad parenting, right, agitates that. But it doesn't cause it. It never causes it. We all were born into sin. The Bible tells us that What? Before Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel's parents disobeyed. They were what? They were naked and they were unashamed. Are you kidding me? They were naked and unashamed. In other words, they had nothing to hide. They had no need to what? To bring an offering. Pre-fall, why would you bring an offering? You, you don't need to. But what happened? They didn't have any need to control what people saw and their hearts were pure. But the minute... They disobeyed. They jumped behind the bushes, right? That's what we know they did. They hid, right, the flaws. They put fig leaves on themselves to cover up themselves. Not just to cover themselves from God's eyes, but to cover themselves up from other people. And do you know why they had to do that? Because the human heart had become focused on self. And you cannot delete that part of you. You cannot go back in and rewrite that program without sin inside of you. We cannot let, we feel, God or other people see how selfish we are. And so there's a sense that I think a lot of us feel, and that's shame, and that's guilt. And we bring that into this room. We know we can't just go in. We know we cannot just start up a relationship because we will not be accepted. Has that, is that you? Some people say, no, you know what? Frank, I don't know. I think you're, I think you're overplaying this point, right? I, uh, I don't believe in sin. I don't believe in judgment. I don't believe 
in eternity. But I will just throw right back at you. Really? Honestly, I don't believe that that's true. Because I think all of us have a voice that's inside of us. It says, no, no, you are not all put together. You have deep flaws. And uh, you, you might chalk it up as stress. Or you might chalk it up as, I'm just a complex person. No, 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 let's follow the rabbit hole. Let's peel the onion. Here's what we all know, is that we are all what? We are all struggling with sin. And Hebrews 4 says, nothing is hidden from God. But all things are what? Are uncovered and laid bare. The Bible says that we know that. And many famous philosophers know this, and they write a lot of books based upon this whole concept. Why do some of you in this room work so hard? You know why you work so hard? Because it's your offering. You know, Cain brought, um, you know, his, his crops, and sure, Abel brought his, you know, his uh, animals, and you bring your work. Some of you work so hard because that's your offering. Others of you in this room are so nice. And if you really ask yourself, why am I so nice? You think it's the only way I can be acceptable in my own eyes. If I am the nice one, some of you, right, think I, I, I need to uh, really bring everybody together. I'm good socially, but I know I have sin, and so I got to utilize this gift, and if I utilize this gift enough, you know what? It's my offering, and I'm acceptable if I do it. And we think that is our own self-righteousness. It's your offering because it, you know what it does? It, co- it covers up your sense of nakedness. If the church if, if we can work through, right, if we can work through COVID and Westtown comes out on the other side of this, okay, you know what, I'll feel better about myself because I'm, you know, I find myself from being a pastor or, you know, if we feel like, you know, the, the Westtown Christian Academy or you, you fill in the blank. It's our offerings to cover up what? Our own sense of nakedness. It's our own way of saying uh, it's the only way I feel acceptable. What is it for you? Because I know that this resonates with you. I know you bring certain things to God. There's some of you that are so undercommitted, right? You are so never trusting of anybody. You are tough on the outside, right? And you never let anybody come close. You never let anybody see inside of you. And there's some of you in this room that that's what you do. Because you only feel acceptable when what? When no one knows you. And that's the way you've lived your life. Because you can't have someone know you. Why are some people devastated when a pound is gained, when they step on the scale and they are literally undone? When some of us in this room, if you've, if you've not been dated a long time, if you're single and you think, oh my goodness, I will not be liked, I will not have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, I will never get married, you are undone because you are only acceptable if, you're, you, know, if you have a significant other. Those are the fig leaves, Right? These are the offerings. When you look at Cain and Abel, right, you see how they're both alike. They both have to bring offerings, but they are also very unalike. And so we ask ourselves, how? How in the world is Abel unlike Cain in this story? Because here's what we know. Abel offered a better sacrifice. That the Lord had regard for Abel's sacrifice, but not for Cain. And a lot of people, they read this story and they say, you know what, this is an unfair story. Why in the world 
did God give his approval to Cain or to Abel and not Cain? I mean, Cain shouldn't have killed his brother. I mean, it seems a little ridiculous. But, oh my goodness, this seems unfair, right? This is fundamentally unfair. Abel was a keeper of flocks. Cain tilled the soil. Abel brought some of the flock and Cain brought what? Brought some of the, of the fruit of the ground. And so, when you think about that, you think, well, Abel and Cain said, I'm going to bring an offering that said, accept me because I work hard. And they both worked hard. So accept, accept me. Accept me because of what I do. But you have to remember that Cain and Abel knew what we know from Genesis 3. That God had spoken to Adam and Eve when they had disobeyed and when they had fallen into this sense of shame. And when they developed this terrible sense of guilt and shame, the sense of inadequacy, the sense of what? Being incomplete. And God said something to them, we know, and Abel's sacrifice was done in response to that word of God. And what we know is that Cain, Cain's was not. Abel responded according to Hebrews you know, and Genesis that he responded in faith. His sacrifice was living out of the thing that God said to Adam and Eve, live out of this. Don't try to cover yourself. You'll never, um, yeah, don't, don't try to cover yourself. Don't do that. Don't live that way. And so when God saw Adam and Eve pitifully trying to cover up their nakedness, what do we know? No longer could they go in, right? They could no longer go into the, to the uh, Garden of Eden. Because here's the thing. Um, God comes to us and says, look, let me, ultimately, let me, what? Cover you up. Let me be the one who changes your life. Look what, I love what um, Isaiah 61 says. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For what? For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in what? In a robe of of righteousness that you need a covering you and I need a covering and the prophet Isaiah understood this point and ultimately he looked at Adam and Eve and he said this I'm going to send somebody to be your covering I'm going to send somebody to be what to be the covering or to be your offering I'm ultimately going to send that person for you and I want you to trust me she, and this person is going to be a descendant of a woman. And this person will be wounded in a terrible battle. And he will suffer and he will bleed. And he will do it. And it will be the offering that what? That actually brings you home. It brings you back to the garden. In fact, this time though, it's not going to be the garden of Genesis 1 and 2. It's going to be the garden city of Revelation 21 and 22 at the end of the Bible. He's going to bring you home. But you need a covering. That's ultimately what this is saying. And so, Abel, when we see that Abel comes with an offering, and it's a bloody offering, and he says, Lord, I don't know what it's going to mean. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know how this is going to work, but all I know is my hope is that someday you will send somebody who is wounded, like this lamb that I brought. And I'm going to only trust in this one. And what we realize about Cain's offering is Cain was bringing an offering of doing. Right? Look at me, he was saying. Look at what I've done, and maybe that's you. 
you are just trying to get your dad to affirm you. And if your dad affirms you, you're okay. Or your mom is just on you about this, right? Or your son, if you can get your son or your daughter to do this, then it'll be okay if I can accomplish this. And you become Cain because you bring your offering, right, as an offering to, as the means of acceptance, not needing someone to cover you. And so Abel comes in, and ultimately, he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about a better sacrifice. In Ephesians 5, Christ, it says, Christ loved us because he made himself a what? An offering. He made himself a pleasing sacrifice. All of this points to Jesus. And when you look at his trial, and you look at him being stripped, and you look at him on the cross, and you look at him, what, mock, people mocking him, and you look at that terrible verdict, all of us know what? That, I, that should be me. I'm the guilty one. Because I could never, ever make it. I couldn't make it. Right? And utterly, we realize, you know what? If I'm stripped naked, and I'm really who I am, and I trust in Jesus, he is what? He became sin who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's 2 Corinthians 5.21. That Christ is the robe around us. He is our covering. He covers us because we are not acceptable. We know that. There has to be an offering to him. There has to be a sacrifice. And Cain and Abel had different responses. Though they, they both brought offerings, it was for different reasons. So I ask you this morning, why are you here? Are you bringing your offering this morning as an offering saying, I know all of this just points to my need of Jesus? Or are you coming in, bringing an offering, saying, I'm going to sing, I'm going to come to church, and look at what I've done. On Sunday, I got up early. I went to the lock-in, I stayed up all night, and I went to church, right? God should really, really love me this week, right? Good karma, right? All A's, right? No, all of it, right? All of it is messed up. And so, when you ask yourself, are you a Cain or are you an Abel? How do you know? Because Abel was commended. The Lord had regard for him, but Cain, he did not. Now, what's, what's the telling part of this? That no matter how religious Cain was, no matter how much he worshipped, no matter how many offerings he gave, you know what? Cain could never feel the commendation of God. The care of God. You know, notice, it, it described Cain as restless, right? Because if you're a Cain, you struggle with anger. You're angry a lot. And you always sense that you displease God. That's the Cain in you. And, and no, no matter how hard you try, no matter how right that you are in certain situations, you tend to be unhappy a lot. You can't find your peace. And the able in you, right, is this humility. That you come in here, and when you're with people, you, you, you stop putting on all the fronts and all the pretense. And you just say, this is who I am. You know what? This is, this is who I am. I am naked. And you know what I, I work on? Not being ashamed. I am just me. And you know what? You're going to see some stuff. But when we're like that, right, when we bring who we are, knowing that you have been draped in, in the robe of Jesus, your friendships will change. 
Because the Cain in you, you know what? You're going to get mad at your friends really easily. When they, do, when they do not measure up to you and your standard, when they don't bring the type of effort that you bring to things, you get frustrated with them. And you can cut them off real easily. And I know you have that Cain in you. But the Abel in you, God working you, comes in and he says, no, no, look who you are, Frank. You come in and all you do is you bring your woundedness because all that woundedness does is point you to the woundedness of Jesus that died for you. And when you're that person, you change. You change, but you also change other people. Because the Cain comes in and he's the person that says, I'm trying to do my best with that gummit, right? And, and you only think about the part of your sacrifice that isn't perfect. And you always doubt and you get so frustrated with doubting yourself that that, that, that frustration turns into anger and that anger turns into crustiness. And the next thing you know, the people that you love the most, man, you push away or you hold them to standards that you can't even hold yourself, but you hide that stuff. The able in you, God, the part that God's working comes in to people and says, you know what? My record stunk this week. In fact, you've already said it to God since you've been in here. You've already said to him, I didn't measure up Jesus, but you know what you did? And I just want to sing praises to you. I can be happy. We're going to go out to IHOP, and I'm going to get two extra large pancakes. I'm going to smile. Why? Because my record wasn't perfect. And the able in me said, my record isn't perfect. And you know what? Jesus is. is. And you know what that did to my relationship with my sister? She was freed up to tell me some hard things about her life. You know what that did to my mom? My mom got a little less anxious at dinner because I was free, because I was covered with the robe of Jesus. The Cain in you says, you know what? I hate the idea of needing to be born again. I hate it. I'm so sick of it, right? I, I don't want to need the blood of Jesus. Cain say, oh, the important thing is that you're good. The important thing is that you live a good life. And that you show yourself, right, worthy and you can't ever. Second difference. The second difference is this. Uh, the second big difference between Cain and Abel's is this, is that Cain's um, will admit some of their sin, and Abel's will admit, will admit some of their sin, and they both repent of their sins. But, you know, Abel's do, you know what Abel's do? They actually repent of their righteousness. They know that the scriptures say, even your good works are like what? Filthy rags. <laughs> That's a hard thing to hear. The best part of you what the Bible is saying, you don't realize how every single part of you is tainted with sin. So if you feel like your strength is with people, then even the way you are with people, the Bible says, is still tainted with sin. And when you're enabled, you know what you're even freed up to say? Even in my greatest strength, I've got sinfulness. And there's no way I'm going to be pompous and arrogant about what? About, uh, about this, because I know even the gifts and talents that God has given me is still what wrought with error rot with the blackness of sin. Are you okay to do that? Are you okay to, sin, or to, to, be, um, to be that honest? Because what's keeping you being Cain is not admitting that you're a sinner, but it's even being able to admit that you're, now hear me right here, you're able to be damned good works. You're able, you know, these works that are still tainted 
that they're able to be damned by God, that you're able to even, uh, Cain couldn't admit that. Because you know what? Cain's hate Abel's. But you know what? Abel's never hate Cain's. A Cain will hate an Abel because you're not doing it right. You haven't given this up. You haven't done that. But you know what? An Abel never hates the Cain because he can see his own sin and when he's around other sinners, he knows he's just part of the crowd. And when you're an Abel, you don't look at a Cain and say, I hate you. You say, hey man, we're all the same, right? Let's pray. (laughs) We're all the same. Let's go to IHOP, right? I don't care. Yeah, we're gonna go see a movie. I don't care if you're a Cain because I know I'm an Abel and you know what an Abel is? Humble. An Abel is not self-righteous in his humility. He just is humble because he knows his sin is before him. But Cain's, you know what? They feel arrogant, and Cain's are trying so hard. And they always have a sense that they're naked, and that they're ashamed. And so let me ask you, which one are you? What would it be for you to walk in the freedom that, that comes from being a man or a woman of faith and saying, you know what? I need the covering of Jesus, and my record is not perfect. And I'm not standing on my own dignity because, man, that's what I want to do. And I think to myself, I've, I've thought to myself, well, what if COVID, you know, what if COVID breaks down everything and this whole thing, church messes up and devolves and whatever? Am I going to be okay? Because my self-righteousness or my self-worth or my dignity can be wrapped up in this and I can be caned so fast. It's not about my offering. It's about the covering of Jesus being the offering to God the Father. And that's who we want to be. Which one are you? You see the difference between a Cain and an Abel. Same daddy, right? Same requirement, bring an offering. You are not acceptable to God, but they came about it in different ways. And that's why Abel is here in the hall of faith. Which one are you? Which brother? Because Cain hates Abel. But Abel's don't hate Cain's. Let's ask God to be with us.